I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Barry Holmes, who is the CEO of The Brewery. Barry, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with, so for somebody that might not be familiar with The Brewery, can you tell a little bit more about the business and the brands? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a uh, so the brewery was launched in 2008. So not one of your OG uh, craft breweries, but it's been around a little while. Started with just the brewery and then three years, four years ago, we launched Offshoot Beer Company, which was focused on mostly hop forward beers, IPAs, etc. Whereas previously the brewery was um, mostly around Belgian-inspired beers, um, uh, barrel-aged beers, sour beers, things like that. Very cool. And, you know, when you look at the brewery, what's the national footprint of the business today? So it's, it's, it's interesting. In the craft space, you get a lot of regionality. Most of the big brands have a heavy tilt toward their region. And we have somewhat of a tilt, but the, the, the demand for the brewery is a lot, is a lot more broad across the country and even the world. So we, you know, we do export sales to many countries, Korea, Japan, Europe, et cetera, and it's pretty steady. In the U.S., we have members all over the country who we can't even ship beer to. They'll drive t- uh, to get it, believe it or not. So our footprints varied in that we have distribution agreements in 28 states, and that's mostly driven by the same level of demand in addition to you know, chain customers, et cetera. We have 10 states that we can ship direct to consumer. And like I said, we have uh, members throughout the country who will drive to California or DC to pick their beer up. So it's a it's uh, that question's a lot like an onion. It's very, it's got a lot of layers, and um, and it's part of the complexity that we have to try to manage in having a international or national brand. So you mentioned that word members a few times. Uh, that's not something you usually hear with craft breweries. So who are the members of the brewery? Yeah, you're right. It, the you know the the craft beer space is not very heavily. Um, invested in the in the membership model and, and even in direct consumer model and most of that is driven by a lot of these uh, shipping laws three-tier laws etc but the, the when the brewery launched one of the core concepts was our what we call the societies we have three layers of membership but this is kind of at the core of what we do we first and foremost appeal to our members, and then for, for their membership, they get access to exclusive beers that we that we put out. Uh, also, they get discounts on everything they buy, whether it's in our tasting room or online. And probably even more importantly, they're connected to other like-minded people who have a love of taste and a love of craft beer. So, you know, we do various events throughout the year. Clearly, COVID impacted that over the last uh, year and a half plus, but... Um, membership has, I use the term membership has its privileges. We, we, we try to lean into that in a, in a big way and, you know, really focus the most of what we do to appeal to those members. So while the business was started 2008, you mentioned that a few years ago, you launched a new brand called Offshoot. What led you to launch Offshoot and how did it really make you take a look at what the brewery brand stood for? 
Yeah. So, you know, like with most stories there, you know, it was either really well thought out or it was uh, kind of funny. And this is in the latter. The founder, Patrick Brew, had been asked for years, when are you going to make an IPA? We want you to make an IPA. And because he was doing many more esoteric beers and Belgian inspired beers, he had off the cuff at some point said, I'm never going to make an IPA. That's when. And, and that got repeated a couple times. And when I, when I joined the business, I thought, well, surely no one's going to remember that. And, in, and come to find out everyone remembered it. And that's what, <laughs> that's mostly what led us to launch offshoot beer company, as opposed to just putting an IPA line under the brewery. So clearly not the most well thought out in terms of brand positioning, but once we got it out in the market, what was, you know, what really turned out to be the case was that it, it really resonated with consumers in a big way. And so since then, when you know, we, we, we sell uh, in an omni-channel uh, world, so we, you know, we sell offshoot beers on a monthly basis that are um, exclusive online. But the majority of that business is retail focused, and the the um, line share of the sales within Offshoot comes from Relax, and it's just a hazy IPA. So that's the number one hazy IPA in the retail market on a sales per point of distribution basis. So you know, you look back to how the decision got made, and you might scratch your head a little bit but it actually worked and the packaging and the style and the, obviously the product itself really delivered. And I think in many ways it helped differentiate between what the brewery was putting out from a, from a product standpoint and just the look and feel and, and dynamic of, of that brand. Whereas if we had squeezed the IPA business into that, it's hard to tell what would have happened. You know, if you look over the last two years of COVID, it's been, you know, a roller coaster, say the least, for the the beer industry. Um, how did you have to evolve the business for this mix that changed of on-premise, off-premise, dealing with your bars and restaurant partners being closed, people drinking more at home versus in a tap room? What were all the changes and how'd your uh, a whole business have to evolve in that regard? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's a roller coaster or waterboarding, uh, somewhere in between, probably. And you know, the response to COVID being so varied throughout the world has meant tons of changes. So, you know, the 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 California impact of that was um, was particularly rough compared to other states. For example, Florida, we you know our, we have a we have a pretty good business, say with Publix and some other chains and and independents in Florida. We didn't really see a hiccup there at all. Whereas, and then we know from the industry statistics, Florida in 2020 lost 5% of on-premise sales as a state. California lost 65%. So two states, very two, two different approaches to COVID. But to your question of around, around how we dealt with the, the flip-flop and you know, we just tried to support our retail partners and our distributors the best way we can. We had multiple pivots and repivots throughout. So, for example, our tasting rooms were were obviously shut down from you know March, April of 2020. The first big pivot there was to quickly de- develop a delivery service in our local area. So we were able to recapture a decent amount of business and leverage the online business we had taking beer to our um, 
to our members and customers in the local area. And I would say the other major advantage that that that, that had, and I, I, I thought it would happen to some degree in terms of employee loyalty, but not not knowing what the uh, labor shortage was going to look like a year later. We were able to hold on to all of our employees, just giving them something else to do that was really valuable to the customers and the members. And then as those restrictions and, um, you know, threats from infection and what have you, you know, ebbed and flowed throughout the year, it was a constant struggle to, to continue to make pivots, but also, you know, knowing when to be a little more aggressive in the market and when to, um, and when not to be. And so it's, and we're, we're still, we're still dealing with it today, given all the supply chain challenges and cost increases, et cetera. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. Kind of related to that is you've really seen a change in the omni-channel landscape over the last few years. And with your subscription model, the brewery has been leading that charge for a way. How do you see omni-channel changing the industry as a whole in, you know, not just the last few years, but the years to come? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you we, we know that uh, direct-to-consumer and membership was on the rise in every channel. So it's a huge macro trend. But to what you, you pointed out earlier, in the craft beer space, it was always re- so small that it never mattered. But it, but it mattered to us. And, you know, we have, a, we have a sizable member base. They spend a lot of money with us. And it's extremely important. Well, you know, the COVID probably fast forwarded that five years. And what I think it means is, is that omnichannel in most businesses is, is where it's at. People don't live exclusively online. They don't live exclusively in a four-wall environment. But the beer industry has, has been so underdeveloped relative to online sales and especially relative to membership that it certainly helped our business. And, and the, the fact that we had a base of direct-to-consumer business and this, and this all-important membership, that's what got us through COVID. That was, the, you know, that was the part of the business that benefited from all the restrictions, et cetera, whereas all of you know, on-premise and, and um, some of the distributors that, especially in you know, states like California, were, were impacted negatively. And I, and I see that you see now a lot of other craft breweries are developing membership models, trying to figure out how to how to ship online and how to create an online business to to augment what they do in the traditional sense. You know, one of the things that's really stood out from you know looking at the brewery business is you guys do a lot of uh, partnerships and collaborations. What are some of the the collaborations you think that are most unique for you guys as a business? <sighs> I, so you know, like many other craft breweries, we we collaborate with other great breweries, and those are cool. Those are, you know, that's that appeals to a certain highly involved member, etc. I'd say though that the the most interesting collaborations are the ones we've done 
with non-beer partners. So, you know, one of our you know, one of our mantras is we we choose taste over style. So instead of marketing our beers to be a certain style and then assuming that everyone knows what that tastes like, we try to focus on what was the what's the intentional taste of this beer. And so with a collaboration, one of the collaborations we've done that I thought was really cool is with Chef Brooke Williamson, who's Food Network star and just a you know great entrepreneur and amazing chef. So she has you know, place out in California and and and, uh, and and Playa Vista, awesome restaurant, Playa Provisions, if you get a chance to check it out. But she's extremely creative. And we, we partnered with her um, actually several times now to develop beers to pair with certain dishes and achieve a certain taste profile. And I would say that's probably the biggest breakthrough in terms of appealing to a completely different audience who may never have otherwise heard of us. And so we had a lot of new um, customers into the, into the mix who were big fans of hers or big fans of following chefs and, entirely. And then, and then they, their eyes really opened up when they found a, a brewery who really focused on taste as well. They, those are the things they might expect from a winery as opposed to a brewery. So I thought that was, a, that was an impactful partnership. So you mentioned the things somebody would expect from the a winery. You know, one of the fascinating things about the brewery is you guys are constantly pushing the envelope. And, you know, lately, for instance, you've done some hybrids that are craft, you know, stout, barrel-aged stouts combined with a wine. You know, how do you think about educating the market and driving to what that next innovation might be for the business? Yeah, well, so in those types of innovations we see as... I'm not I'm not sure if beer wine hybrids are the next big thing but what I can what I do know is that the members that we have they really look to us to innovate and try new stuff even if even if they only buy a couple bottles of that the it it acts as a it really keeps them focused on us and and keeps the membership sticky and etc and I think it also it's taking one or two steps in one direction that might ultimately lead to another innovation that maybe is more broadly appealing. And I think that what makes us unique in that respect is in many ways, people say our members will tell us your beers drink like wines in that they're more, they're, they're more complex than most typical beers. There's more nuance to it. There, um, there are a lot of layers you can get from our beers, especially our, our barrel aged beers, things that we, we blend in adjuncts we use. And then when we take a, we take a, barrel-aged stout and blend that with Cabernet grapes, most people who had never had that kind of <laughs> wrinkle their nose and say, that, that sounds disgusting. But once once you actually taste it and then you see that the the taste profile that we're going for really hits. And, um, and so I, I think that's just one area of pushing the boundaries, innovating, trying to come up with a, a taste profile that people hadn't seen before. And probably even more specific to that, we've we've done beer wine hybrids. We just did a um, a port hybrid several months ago, and it's um, it was it's a funny story in a couple for a couple in a couple areas. You know, for one, it, it, the, the liquid just completely blew everyone away. It was a three year aged in port pipe Black Tuesday Imperial Stout, um, back sweetened with port. So it ha it drinks like an after dinner drink. It's it's still so it's not a carbonated drink. So that's one you would drink that and go, you're telling me this is technically a beer, but I'm drinking it like a digestif. 
The funny part was, is that we had planned to do that in a 750 milliliter bottle and uh, the price point was $53, which is, you know, it's not cheap, but um, we ended up, we ended up choosing a bottle. Uh, our director of production is extremely creative, looked at a port bottle that was 500 milliliters. And we thought this is perfect. This, this really sets us apart and makes it not only taste like a, a port, but looks like one, but we forgot to change the price. So instead of, instead of charging um, $53 for a 750 milliliter, we charged $53 for a 500 milliliter. It was, it, it sold out probably as fast as anything else we've done, got the highest ratings on untapped and all the accolades we could have imagined. So just a funny example of sometimes, especially in a direct to consumer environment, make something that knocks people's socks off and the price takes care of itself. So, you know, as you guys look where you're going, what's next for the brewery? Ah, great question. Well, I mean, you know, look, we're, we're still trying to navigate our way through the rest of COVID. Hopefully, you know, we, we are seeing that coming back, meaning the most specifically the on-premise business and the distribution world, our tasting rooms. I think there are a lot of ways that we will continue to innovate. I think there's also ways that, We've done a lot of product innovation, but need now to leverage that more. For example, we launched a lager program last year, which is you know not the great not a great time to to launch something new. And so, for example, we've been we've been putting out lagers for the last you know let's see eighteen months or so, and they're exceptional. We just haven't talked much about them. So I think there's there's some leverage we're going to put into that both. Um, from a direct consumer standpoint and into the into the retail market, we are um, we're expanding the offshoot business into chains. We've had great receptivity, most of that driven by the data uh, that I referenced earlier. So we're going to continue to expand there. I think there there's a there's a big opportunity for us to have more of a, go deeper into the omni-channel world. For example building out a tasting room concept in markets that line up with our direct consumer shipping and, and, and membership proposition. So that's going to be something we look toward and we'll continue to innovate with different liquids. You know, you mentioned we're, we're, um, we're blending wine with beer. So we only have a beer license right now. I think that there's opportunity for us to extend that into wine and see where that takes us. So I, there's, you know, endless opportunities that we've been innovating on for a while. And I think uh, it's just going to be a matter of prioritizing which ones make the most sense at the right time. Well, you know, it's been a pleasure to sit down, hear more about the story and more importantly about the amazing beers that you guys produce for the world. So thank you for taking the time. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Dave. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.